0: Ah har. Oh no, it's too fucking loud. As soon as this guy dies, fear descends on the on the inn. So they decide to get help, but um, no,
1: no one wants to go up to the inn to help him out. He gets the urgent call to come down and help Billy Bones, and he goes, "Oh well, he's in a pub, isn't he? Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll have a beer downstairs before
0: I head up." I was wondering just how sort of seriously the doctor's taking his Hippocratic oath here.
1: Finishes his cup of tea, does the washing up, one last smoke. And then in I go. (laughs) If we were in this story universe, neither of us would have made it out of the first chapter.
0: Aha, me hearties. This be shark liver
1: oil. I'm Matt. Yar. And I be both Dave and, to be honest, wondering if we're going to keep this up the entire cast, because I have well not prepared for this shiver me timbers.
0: No, we're not going to carry it on for the entire yes, cast. Thanks. It was just a special Come introduction on. to <sighs> our yes, <laughs> yes, a very special introduction to our latest book. We're doing Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. It's a classic, Dave. It is, and um, we'll do it. I mean, it's it, the. the The book's broken into, I think, six parts, so it may sort of take a leisurely stroll through it. Um, Today, we're going to just do part one. I always like it when a book's divided into very clear parts like this, it makes my job a lot easier to <laughs> I think I
1: was, it's weird to note what doing this podcast has changed about the way I read books and one of the things I wouldn't have expected is that it's made me notice when you're not going to have to complain about how difficult it is to break it up Yeah. you know, Game of Thrones being the gold standard in this, oh, insofar yeah. as all the chapters have one of like six different titles <laughs> and they just rotate all the way through, this is great, Yeah. yeah it's the bit where the thing happens
0: <laughs> yeah so, so treasure island dave this was one of the ones that you uh, wanted to do it's a classic yes um just tell me about when did you first come across it um, um you know because i think it's one of those ones that everyone is even if you have never read it you're aware of the story in some form
1: yes yeah very much and it's it's a classic it's where we get this idea of x marks the spot um, and uh, and and essentially, um, the Pirates of the Caribbean films owe a lot to the the estate of Robert Louis Stevenson. Um, but um, I think I first read it. I think somebody first gave it to me as a sort of kid who liked to read when I was about eight or nine. Mm. And the problem, the thing they weren't paying attention to, is that while I very much enjoyed reading, I really was very lazy. And so they gave it to me and I had to sort of decipher this kind of cod 17th century or is it 18th century English as rendered 100 years later by a Victorian. Mm. And I I just couldn't do it. Um, And so as a matter of fact, I think the first awareness, the first full go through the story, and I'm going to say that in extremely loose quotation marks, uh, was actually the Muppet Treasure Island, which was... (laughs) An absolute classic. So, I'll admit that there were moments reading this where I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." So, I wonder if that's the bit where Fozzie does the thing, and then, <laughs> oh, you could have done a great gag with Beaker there, and and just so all of that to say, I think I've I've honourably upheld the tradition of Shark Liver Oil, traducing <laughs> literature and the greats. How about you?
0: Um, my first experience of Treasure Island was, um, it was. It was one of, uh, my mum and dad got me when I was really little. It was a like a little mini library of books about this sort of size, I don't know, like oh. A5 size, maybe even smaller. It's like little pocket books. And there was about, I think six or seven, maybe, maybe like, Eight of them, I think, between eight and ten. And they were all sort of children's classics, so like Treasure Island, I think it was The Journey to the Centre of the Earth, which I really liked. Um, A couple of Dickens ones, I think there was A Tale of Two Cities and a few others in there. But they weren't the whole books, they were like children's versions of them. Um, so they were even shorter, which was hilarious looking at now because Treasure Island's not a big book for <laughs> kids anyway. But my, the version I read when I was little was further sort of um, abridged from that. <laughs> so.
1: <laughs> something, 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 pirates, something, 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 treasure, something, 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 <laughs> something, something <laughs> the end.
0: Yeah, it was really it was really ahead of its time. It was really written for the uh, for sort of the attention span lacking generations, <laughs> the you Twitter
1: know. generation. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'd <laughs> love that. We should see if we can find those because I I think yeah. it was it the Ladybird version that you're I, talking about. There, I was think it, that so, was, it, was it. Something different. It might be. Yeah, they, they were, yeah all, all quite small and um, uh, like compact. Yeah. And like brightly illustrated as well. Lots of paintings kind of. Yeah, yeah. I think my brother had that. And so I think I remember the edition that you're talking about. And now I realise it. We should absolutely tweet, like see if we can find that and see how many tweets it takes to tell the story as rendered by the Lady Bird (laughs) children's Classics series.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so that was my introduction to it. I did come back to it and read it properly when I was a teenager. And um, I've read it a couple of times since. But I mustn't have read it for a while because when I was reading it this time, I was like, oh, 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 and that, oh, I'm all quite surprised at how things happen. So that's either a comment on my memory or on how well the story can continue to surprise you. I don't know. Um, (laughs) It's a classic,
1: Matt. Let's go with the positive, (laughs) uh, the positive interpretation of that.
0: Yeah. Um so if you uh, want to get involved in um in, in the discussion about the book, as ever, you can contact us on Sharklive Podcast at Gmail.com. That's Sharkliveroylepodcast at Gmail dot com. Or you can get us on Twitter at Shark Live Royal, or us on Facebook too. Um but I think we better just get straight into it then. So part one of Treasure Island and uh the first the very first chapter I haven't written down the name of it, hang on. <laughs> it's not at observer. the sign
1: of the old sea dog, is it? Or he's usually called, in bed with the captain.
0: Yeah, no, that's right. So, the, so chapter one is called The Old Sea Dog at the Admiral Benbow.
1: Fuck, that was a guess as well, Matt. In fact, that was a, a fairly feeble Blackadder reference. <laughs> and it turns out that I was on it. That's great.
0: <laughs> yeah, mighty fine. So, um, so, yeah, so this is the first, uh, the first chapter. We meet uh, Jim. It's basically Jim's diary. Um, this uh, son of an innkeeper, the inn being the Admiral Benbow, um, which is a little bit confusing that the gym's called a person, but I suppose you've got the King George inn and things like that. Yeah, um, that's true. So he has he says he's writing this because he's been told uh, by someone else to write down all the details of what happened in this grand adventure, starting from the uh, arrival at the um, at the inn of this brown old seaman with a saber cut across his face. Um, What a start. It's all atmosphere. It's all atmosphere,
1: (laughs) Matt, isn't it? What a classic.
0: Yeah, and you can almost see as him arriving, he's got this chest that clunks along behind him. And I don't know, it just felt... It was one of those books that straight away you you can see it. I don't know if it's partly because... It's so popular now that it's been retold in so many different ways that it's such a well worn story now, but I could yeah. immediately see it I'm immediately yeah. there and this this sort of cold rainy, windy night, this lonely inn just down the road and kind of the middle of nowhere, right out on the uh, on the edge of the sea. you can hear the sea crashing behind I oh, just it just I was just thinking, yes, I'm invested and ready for this,
1: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same, and I was wondering whether this is like the origin of every pirate fiction cliche that we have because there are a lot of them um or if this is just the one that everybody knows and actually this was almost like like cowboy films or superhero films where there is a really popular genre kind of at the time because you're right like you don't it's all off the peg stuff isn't it you turn up and you're like oh yeah 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 pirate story is it here we go wonderful (laughs) one-legged man yes mysterious Cut the scar, I should coco. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. He's singing as he arrives
0: as well as singing fifteen men on a dead men's chest. Yes. Oh, oh, and a bottle of rum. Yeah. Yarr Yar. <laughs> <laughs> um, he goes he, it he, he's chosen this inn because it's quiet. He wants to be somewhere he wants to he's basically hiding. And he said yeah. all he says all he wants is rum, bacon and eggs every I mean it's all anyone needs, isn't it? Rum, bacon and eggs. You could be quite <laughs> happy living your life out like that. Um, <laughs> and he lays down a bit of cash up front um, which is it's kind of like um, a bit of a classic charlatan thing this he lays a bit of cash down straight away so the innkeeper's like, oh, he's got a bit of money and he's paying up front, fine. And then the innkeeper doesn't see any more money for ages. <laughs> <laughs> he just can't get any more out of him.
1: <laughs> I like the way it's described whenever the innkeeper would come to him and ask for the money. But he's like, sort of, you can just see him turning dead onto camera and almost like snorting like a bull. Yeah. You know, this kind of like... <clears throat> <laughs> I was like, I, I think as a small business owner, you might need to get slightly more robust about following up on your invoices than that. Yeah, <laughs> no, Jim's, no, if, all, Jim, if all somebody needs to do is exhale, like no, game <laughs> over. Yeah,
0: Jim's poor dad doesn't seem the best at, um, at collecting the cash, as we'll discover later. Um, every day, so, so he so he, he gets it, so he basically pays for a week or something like that, stays for you know, months. Every day he he gets up, goes out and sort of scans the horizon with his brass telescope. Um, and then every evening comes back and just gets drunk, sings some songs and basically terrorises
1: the other drinkers in there. Um, and I think we've all been there, haven't yeah. we? Like, I mean, not necessarily, you know, uh, running a, a public house with somebody living under the roof who's absolutely terrifying, although that's not entirely unimaginable. But just the... I think we've all been in a pub at some point, probably quiet country place or one of the less frequented kind of places in a town where there's one guy who thinks he owns the place Uh and sort of wants it to be his front room and he's sort of, you know, can be relied upon on the stroke of nine to come in already drunk from somewhere else and Mm -hmm. start grabbing people round the neck, swaying backwards and forth and trying to lead everybody in a rousing chorus of YOY Delilah. And (laughs) it's just, it's... Maybe I'm speaking out of my, my, my trauma here as a former barman, you know, but I've definitely dealt with somebody like Long John Silver in the past. And it's not Long John Silver, sorry, whoever this guy is. It's not Long John Silver. <laughs> no. um, somebody like this bloke. And it's no fun. It's no fun at all.
0: I like how this guy is legit, though. He is like, he can pull that kind of thing off. He's not some sort of <laughs> blowhard or something. He's, um, he's, de- he's not genuinely terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, so he does these things like every so often he'll he'll have a few drinks and then start singing a song and he'll get everyone to join in but it's not like come on everyone let's join in it's like you are fucking joining in and if you don't (laughs) I'm gonna cut
1: you so they're all like yeah okay Yeah, there's nothing better than forced jollity (laughs) a two three four (laughs)
0: <laughs> and sometimes he's like i'm gonna tell you a story and they all gather around and he's like and he asks questions and he, he gets them to ask him questions to make sure they're listening and he's like again forces them to listen to these stories
1: yeah. i love that <laughs> it says doesn't it say that like um it was interrupted only by his angry his like his um uh to allow somebody to ask a question or for him to explode angrily when somebody hadn't asked the question he was waiting for them to ask. You know, just imagine all the regulars sitting around going, oh, God, whose turn is it? John, (laughs) it's your turn. All right. Um, Yeah, what happened then? Oh, gosh, really? Good heavens. I'll be... Anyway, you were saying, sorry. No, you're right. Rude of me. Sorry. Please put the cutlass away.
0: The thing is, um, the, the innkeeper thinks it's going to be bad for business, but it turns out um jim says it's actually quite good people they keep coming back people because he's a bit of a character and um despite all this i think people quite enjoy the entertainment of him <laughs> around the sort of terrifying entertainment of it and some of the younger guys like some of the teenagers like talk about how he's a, a true sea dog and an old salt and there's this kind of like um rather strange sort of admiration for a rebel isn't there um in a quiet yeah, tone that it's yeah, something, yeah something that, that's true yeah that's it isn't
1: it it's because it. there is at one point um, Jim starts talking about the sort of nearest settlement, which he describes as the Hamlet, in the yeah. same tone of voice as we might say the big town. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of assuming the Admiral Bembo's kind of out on a road by itself, yeah. in which case somebody turning up and doing a little bit of sort of improv theatre. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, probably, probably not too bad for business, I would have yeah. said. it's got
0: to go down a treat. Um, yeah. uh, Jim's also making a bit of cash on the side because... Um, this guy's pulled into one side and said he'll give him four, four pence a week if he keeps an eye out for a guy with a peg leg. Um, so, so you know, if you see any seafaring men passing through with a, especially a guy who's got a wooden leg, then let him know straight away. So he's obviously, this guy's worried about someone in particular. Quite who. Yeah. We'll yeah. later.
1: Well, it's, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because you set up this character who's who's terrifying not badass is the wrong word he's just mm. terrifying he's yeah. terrifying in the same way as you know a car that's just blown all four wheels and is continuing to skid down a small residential street <laughs> that's not, yeah. that's diverting but it's not fun um but he's terrified of something clearly and that i find i found really really interesting
0: yeah yeah um so the as we say, the innkeeper doesn't isn't getting any money out of him. He's getting really stressed. It turns out he's he's not a very well man either, and he's is getting sicker and sicker as the uh, as this uh, as the weeks and months go on. This doctor yeah. comes round to treat um, the innkeeper, and it's interesting here because this doctor's like you know he's um, he, he, he's, he's sort of very well to do, and he looks he, he dresses <laughs> well, but he's not like. He's not tough, you know, but yeah. he is in a different way. In that he sort of this this pirate meets his match of it because the pirate starts like acting up and saying, you know, everybody be quiet. He wants to do something, and and the doctor won't. And then there's this bit of a standoff, and the doctor kind of stirs him down. Yeah. um and I just thought this was interesting because just uh, just before that, when the teenagers um, like were talking about. How um, this this guy's a true salt and an old sea dog. Said so, said so this is the kind of man that um, has made England so feared on the sea, and the fact that there's like this doctor or a magistrate um, or someone in that position who who this guy actually listens to and can be controlled by. I think is the other other half of that why England managed to do, or why Britain managed to do this as well. Like there were these terrifyingly dangerous and violent men, but they were actually, they did actually listen to these guys who had a broader sense of like strategy and things as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. The parallel I drew was with, do you remember when we did um, The Goblins Who Stole a Sexton? Oh yeah. At Christmas, last Christmas, um, which was a sort of little known Charles Dickens short story, which features this, unbelievably pompous character called the <laughs> Alderman. And I thought Dr. Livesey was very much like that where he's like sort of, he's so sure of yeah. his power that yeah. he's just like, wait, you can pull all the knives you want on me, pal. I'm the guy that sentences you and I actually have quite broad powers to do that. Because that's what he says, isn't it? He? he says <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like yeah. he doesn't, uh, Livesey doesn't show up. Long John Silver literally pulls a knife on him. Livesey sits there with a pint, like casually lifts it to its lips takes a sip puts it down and says if you don't put that away you'll hang tomorrow and yeah, yeah. and uh, and hey, i keep calling him long john silver this bones, geezer this yeah. billy bones yeah billy bones, billy bones is like bones. Well, well yeah exactly <laughs> i should visit and then Livesey just goes i am the magistrate which in <laughs> those days in england was the same as saying i am the law." <laughs> and Bones just literally slinks back like a beaten dog mm. and I, I found that really interesting as, as like you say for the whole historical thing of how society worked back then and all of that and you know the kind of building of the British Empire and all its, all its uh, robust nautical quote unquote glory and um, uh, by comparison uh, with the other uh, character in literature who can with, uh, with good justification say I am the law and that's Judge Dredd <laughs> and i quite like the parallel between those two imagine judge Dredd in a powdered wig you'd turn up <laughs> for that film wouldn't you judge dread minus 250 years it'd be brilliant
0: <laughs> um, so chapter two is called a uh, black dog appears and disappears um so we, we then move around to january and um a, a man arrives a pale man with two fingers missing asking for my mate bill Um, and (laughs) Jim just pretty much gives him up straight away. Jim's not exactly, like, trying to protect this guy. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Turns out four four shiny silver pennies (laughs) is not enough to buy the loyalty of Jim Hawkins. (laughs) Yeah. Because
0: he's like, this guy just turns up and says, where's my, have you seen my mate Billy? And he's like, yeah, yeah, he's out,
1: he'll be back in a bit. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even put up a fight, does he? He just, no. somebody turns up and goes, have you seen my mate Billy Bones? And, <laughs> and it's not like he goes, oh, well, oh no, couldn't Billy Bones? No, I yeah. know Mr. William Esquire. No, he yeah. doesn't, and nothing like that. He just goes, "Uh, uh, 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 uh. yeah, he sells <laughs> him out, man. He yeah. sells him down the river. Without it doesn't even blinking.
0: It doesn't even say, who wants to know? You know, the yeah. <laughs> <a> classic.
1: <laughs> yeah, although it has to be said that you and I, if we were in that situation, first of all, I'm sure we would cave just as quickly, but secondly, um, we're drawing on a long tradition of popular entertainment, which would at least give us a script <laughs> in that situation. Like, I'd like it if Jim had stood up to him, but he's hardly going to go into the full kind of, you know, takes a drag on the cigarette. <laughs> Who wants to know? <laughs> he doesn't have that old speakeasy thing to draw on.
0: <laughs> yeah, if it was me and you in the bar, Dave, that's what we do it. just gone Billy Bones, we say. Maybe it's me. <laughs> Maybe it's him. And then you just go, Maybe it's neither
1: of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it, and I think, and then we just get you know, backhanded. Yeah, yeah that. I was going to say that exactly. <laughs> That's how we know that if we were in this story universe, neither of us would have made it out of the first chapter. <laughs> um.
0: So anyway, when um when when Bill returns, they uh they sit down and talk. These two, he's obviously not welcome. This guy called Black Dog. he ends up in a big old argument. There's loads of swearing in this, which is just described as oaths. Jim (laughs) keeps hearing oaths,
1: basically swear words. Yeah. um, I I didn't know what that meant when I first read this. And, and, you know, reading any classic literature when you're a kid, I didn't realize that oaths meant the same as using, like, impolite language. You know, even though Mm. we call it swearing, I didn't really know what they they were synonyms of each other, you know, oaths and swearing. So whenever anybody would be like, you know, oh, with terrible oaths. The only thing I knew about oaths was, like, marriage oaths or, like, swearing a vow in court or something. So every time somebody was really angry and all of these things, I would get this really surreal image of them kind of being like, I solemnly swear, sir, I will smack you up the nuts. You know, <laughs> it's like somehow really entering in with seriousness to the idea that they were about to punch him in the face. It's yeah. very, very surreal use of language to me, but... <laughs>
0: Uh, this ends in a in a full on fight with uh, yeah. with drawn cutlasses, and um, in the end, Black Dog's wounded, and he runs away. And <laughs> there's this lovely, there's this brilliant moment where like uh, Billy like tries to um, like it's, it's one last swipe at him outside, and he ends up um, sort of chipping a bit of the sign off the top of the door oh, I love so, that. and it's still there and it's great jim's like and you can still see the chip in the <laughs> sign to this day yeah, you know
1: <laughs> come down and see the famous chipped sign take photos yours for only seven pound fifty that's sort of, that's the pitch he's making <laughs> yeah. as seen in the books the admiral benbow Inn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> back inside um bill asks for rum and then collapses he has a stroke and uh, the doctor is sent for and arrives and he, he treats him um and he's having a look at his arms. This is where you find out what his name is because he's got his name tattooed on his arm. And um, he's also got uh, this fantastic tattoo of hanging men. And the mm. doctor just looks at it and
1: just goes, prophetic. <laughs> 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 I think it's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm quickly coming to like the doctor most out of all the characters that we've met so far. He's just, he's, he's having none of his shit, is he? He's just sort of like, at one point, I think he says, you know, um, Uh, on my conscience, now I must try and save the life of this thrice worthless oaf. And I'm like, (laughs) that's the best way I've ever heard of a doctor going, he's a useless sack of shit and it's my job to keep him alive. Let's go.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's also, um, Billy comes round and he goes, uh, where's the black dog? And this guy gets another great little quip and he goes, there's no black dog, just the one on your back. Oh, hey. yeah. <laughs> He's I know, I assume bombo, he just high f- he yeah. takes no shit. <laughs> I assume he just puts his
1: hand up and high fives Jim at that point. <laughs> <laughs> up high. Anyone? Anyone? No? Jim lad? Come here. Come- yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Smack.
0: <laughs> so the doctor takes um, some blood.
1: Um, as, as they often did, just as a, a way of like, <laughs> something to do. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that was supposed to be a piece of period colour when the book was written, because it's written 100 years after it's set, right? Yeah. Whether Robert Louis Stevenson was being like, like they did back in those days, because it kind of passes without comment, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, that makes sense. You know, Jim's a Jim's, you know, in the moment kind of narrator. But I just, I was really struck by it as well. What do you, and so the doctor opened his veins and let some of his precious lifeblood flow away <laughs> as per usual. Yeah. And we were all confident it would make him better despite all the indications to the contrary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. But they do, they, yeah, that was what they, for centuries, that was that was their sort of best guess at how to treat a load of stuff, wasn't it? Bleed them, yeah. you know, let yeah. the bad blood out. It's like, well, no, no,
1: no, no, that's the <laughs> no, That's idea. the wrong way around. And I particularly, I, I, I noticed, because after this, Billy Bones really kind of goes on the slide, doesn't he, and kind of, yeah. you know, staggers around and can really barely stand up, hangs mm-hmm. against the doorframe, looking out at the fog, you know, looking really moody, Um and, and and I was reminded that I don't think, to their credit, I'm not sure I've read very many books from this era where somebody gets bled and then gets better. Like, they always seem to <laughs> decline. But none yeah. of the doctors ever say, do you know what? I'm <laughs> not sure. Stay with me. But I'm not sure this is the best idea. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it is bizarre, isn't it? That's the, that's the difficulty, I suppose, like, with limited... When you've got limited, you know, access to science, it's sort of, if there's someone who's going to die anyway, then the sort of, yeah, if they die, it's like, oh, well, they would have died anyway.
1: And if they somehow yeah. live, it's like, oh,
0: the treatment must work.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not... That is an interesting thing, isn't it? How, like, as beneficiaries of science, like today... Really what we know and the things we know to avoid, that's absolutely built on several centuries of people working it out really, really slowly. (laughs) Oh, so you mean if we let his blood out of his veins, then hit him over the head with a mallet, and then stab him in the chest, turns out that doesn't cure a headache. (laughs) Interesting. Well, write it down. It goes in the textbook. Anyway, moving on. How to treat dysentery. Shoot him in the face. No? No? Anyone? (laughs) Um, so,
0: so, yeah, he's left in a bit of a bad way. I am, um, after reading this as well, yeah, he doesn't get better. And I was wondering just how sort of seriously the doctor's taking his Hippocratic Oath here and whether he's sort <laughs> of... Because he said it'd be the best for everyone if he has another stroke and it finishes him off. And I was something yeah. just how hard this doctor's tried to save him. Yeah, uh, so, right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Anyway. he gets the urgent call to come down and help Billy Bones and he goes... Oh, well, he's in a pub, isn't he? Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll have a beer downstairs <laughs> before I head yeah. up. <laughs>
0: Finishes his cup of tea, does the washing up. Yeah. <laughs> Thinks so well. I can't go until I've put another round of washing in, so sticks the rain of washing in. Actually, I best, best hang that day, because it's, it's got to dry, hangs it out. Finally goes down. Takes a detour, past the post office, drops a letter off. <laughs> <laughs> One last smoke. And then in I go. <laughs> Um so chapter three, The Black Spot. Um uh. <laughs> Billy's been told he can't have any rum and um this is the one thing that he um he says, No no, I'm having rum. He he asks for <laughs> it. He shows he shows um uh Jimmy's hand and his hand's shaking. He's like, Look, I need I need I need rum and he says if he doesn't have regular access to rum, he gets the horrors where he sort of sees things and says he's already seen old Flint. Um we hear more about later sort of standing in the corner Yeah. and uh yeah he's he's basically begging for room he says he needs he, yeah. he needs it it's basically i think Is, he's basically saying he's, he's t- describing what we understand as withdrawal isn't he
1: Yes, yeah, and isn't it interesting that even though the idea of withdrawal as such, I mean, I'm not sure when it was first described, but I'm pretty sure it was after Robert Louis Stevenson wrote this. Again, mm-hmm. it was it was kind of a recognised thing in much the same way as shell shock has been a known thing for ages, but only in the last kind of 20 years have people really started to fully describe what post-traumatic stress disorder is. Yeah. And I find this I find this bit really interesting with his like, yeah, he's racked by it. And he even puts it in terms which are kind of... I mean, they're they're heartbreaking. <laughs> they're, like, they're almost a recruitment poster for sort of Alcoholics Anonymous because it's mm. he says, you know, rum has been food and drink to me. It has been mother and daughter and sister and wife, and it's just holy shit. Like, mm. I, I mean, it really it was an interesting thing to me. Where that's dramatic language, sure, but it is also like quite a good, quite an accurate kind of indicator of. How brutal it was to be afloat in those days. You know, I don't get too, too serious, but you know, this is a kid's book, mm. not a, not a history book. But it's I actually um, I uh, read a book called The Wooden World by NAM mm. Roger, uh, which is a history book and was used as the basis for um, uh, Master and Commander. Do you ever see that the Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany oh, yeah. movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So for all of that, the, the historical stuff, the like what it would actually be like on board ship in the late seventeen hundreds, um, drew on this on this history book. Uh, which is a great book, and it's vicious, man. Like, no wonder all of the, you know, the Age of Empires in the seventeen and 1800s was so fucking violent to everybody because mm-hmm. it was violent to the people who were out there to do violence. Yeah. And um, and that kind of, once he'd said that, it really coloured everything else that we see in the rest of this book about pirates and being a, being aboard ship and, mm. and sailing and what that meant and what that felt like. You know what I mean? If a day without rum is enough to have him literally seeing ghosts in the corner of the room, mm. shit, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he said, he says to Jim, you know, if things got, he's, he, he, he now after this visit from, um, from black dog, he knows that whoever it is, who's looking for him is, is getting close to finding him. And, um, he talks to Jim about going, and getting the magistrate. Um, if, uh, if, if, things go south and get 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 them to come to the um to the pub and all this he's got this fear of getting the black spot it's called which is a summons um from Uh, these ruffians
1: you don't know that first time out do you it's it's a Mm. very well it's a very well designed kind of nemesis object isn't it because it just says the black spot and you go what what black spot what Mm -hmm. what is this black spot yeah. Is it some sort of bird? Are you going to receive? You know, like is somebody just going to come in and give you really terrible acne somehow? Like, how is it? How is this going to work? Um, and you don't need to know. All you need to know is that he's terrified of this thing that's coming mm. for him. And I, this, this I remember from when I first read it, really freaked me out. I was like, "What is? What yeah. is the black spot? Where is the black spot? Does it hide in the curtains?" Ah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, all this is interrupted because um, Jim's dad, the innkeeper, actually dies now. He's been ill for some time and he dies. Um, So it sort of distracts Jim from from everything else that's going on, obviously. Um, Mm. Meanwhile, Billy's too ill to move now very much um, and the doctor's away. So um, he can't get any more help. (laughs) The doctor's... Away, quote marks. He's like, <laughs> stop picking the phone up. <laughs> Just Straight to answer phone. Every time you've reached the doctor. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, he look got. His, he's got his feet up. Copy of the Lancet on the go. Pipe in mouth. Looks over at the phone. Caller ID. Is it the Benbo? Fucking. <laughs> Let him wait. <laughs> it's good for him. <laughs> <laughs> If bleeding him is good for him, then being made to wait for a doctor is good for him too, for some reason.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so he's tottering around now. Um, at one point, he uh, w- instead of singing the old "Yo Ho Ho" Dead Man's Chest bottle of rum song, he sings this old love song down in the uh, down in the pub, and everyone's a bit surprised. He just seems like yeah. he suddenly like blasts out, you know, "Unforgettable." <laughs> <laughs>
1: what? See, that's that's a lot better than what I was thinking because when I realised it was a love song, suddenly my head went to a sort of, Oh Mickey, you so fine, you so fine, you blow my mind <laughs> which which would have been a different mood. That's it's <laughs> undeniable that that would be a different mood.
0: Um and then three PM and the day after Jim's dad's funeral, this uh, this guy approaches the inn. He's a blind man, um deformed, um he's he's like got this cape covering up so you can't really see his face. Um, He's got this stick that's tap, tap, tapping on the way up to the, uh, what a great character, on the way up to the, um, and he sort of goes over to, he he sort of calls out to Jim and says, oh, can you you help a blind man? As soon as Jim gets within reaching distance, he grabs him and he's really strong and, and terrifying.
1: Um. (laughs) that's a gutsy play isn't it like if he's he is actually blind like he actually has no eyes so (laughs) it's not like a faint or something but he is confident enough in himself to go looking for somebody he needs to find who won't be at all happy to see him and who has both cutlass and and eyes and he's like kind of i'm gonna muscle my way in there that's the best approach for me now not talking not wheedling not you know not lying not spinning a tail fuck it i'm gonna break his arm and he's gonna get me in the room and it works
0: (laughs) yeah yeah amazing um, this is the one bit that really reminded me of Muppet Treasure Island cause it's the it's my favourite bit in Muppet Treasure Island where this guy turns up and he's this little white little creature and he keeps going Billy Barnes where are you Billy Barnes <laughs> and then like I think I think he ends up like he approaches this horse he thinks the horse is Billy he's like ah Billy Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's brilliant, it's yep. the funniest character yep. in the entire thing. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but that does mean, like, it does remove a little bit of the terror from this guy in the book now, because I just keep seeing this little chap in the
1: Muppet Treasure Island. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah, Billy <Boy>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll admit, there is really no getting the Muppet Treasure Island genie back in the bottle once you've realised that's what you're watching. Because they were quite faithful to it, weren't they? And yeah. It, it colours you. I can't, <laughs> when we get to Captain Smollett later on, I just can't not see Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: um, so he gives the, he, he, he finds Billy, he, he gives the black spot to him, puts something in the palm of his hand. And he says, you know, uh, business is business.
1: Yeah, it actually says,
0: business is business, Billy Barnes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that your impression of that Muppet is is trending more and more towards Papa Lazaro from the League of Gentlemen. <laughs> 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 <And> I'm <dying. laughs> Billy Barnes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he calls him Billy Bonds as
0: well. I don't know why, it just tickles yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so he gives him this he gives him this thing, his business is business, and then leaves. Um and uh Billy jumps up after he's after he's left and looks at what's in his hand and says, Oh, you know, he basically says we've got till ten o'clock, that's six hours, so we can we can escape and yeah. immediately falls down dead. He has a um, you know, final stroke that kills him. Yeah. That's the end of Billy Barnes <laughs> <laughs> Uh Chapter four. Yeah. So the the
1: the C, the C was this a shock? The fact that he just suddenly um, drops dead? No, but because one of my primary problems with the book when I first read it when I was a child, again, I was not prepared to read this book. I really did not have nearly the maturity to really make the most out of it. Because when I first read it, I, this is the thing I primarily remember. Because somebody had, you know, everybody talks about sort of Long John Silver and pirates and ah, Jim Ladd and all of that. And, um, and so I was kind of prepared for that. And then there's this terrifying character who's not named. And so, in my, as you can tell, I still do it on this podcast, I think of him as Long John Silver. You know mm. the, the you know, this terrifying character, and um, uh, and so when he when he died, I was like, the "Fuck's going on here?" It was the, <laughs> it was like the thing with um, when Psycho first came out, and it's actually Psycho the movie is set up as the story of this this secretary who's trying to run run away with her boss's money, and mm-hmm. then spoilers is murdered, and um, and then it becomes a story about the murder and the murderer. Yeah. Totally different thing. And for me, it was almost like that, but not at all satisfying, because I wasn't mature enough to, you know, really enjoy having the narrative tables turned on me. I was just like, oh, has he killed Long John Silver? Where's the... Ah, oh, Jim Laden? they haven't even got to the island yet. This is What the <laughs> fuck is this? I remember so clearly as a 10-year-old or 9-year-old or whatever being like, I don't understand. This is, this is rubbish. <laughs>
0: you uh, said, and it was just simply because it wasn't clear enough who this guy
1: was Or you who know, yeah, this guy I wasn't, as well. Exactly, I was not nearly sophisticated enough for Treasure Island, at age <laughs> nine, and I suppose I should be ashamed of that.
0: <laughs> um, so, chapter four is called the Sea Chest, and um, the thing is, as soon as as soon as this guy dies, there's this just um, fear descends on the on the inn because there's this they're terrified of, you know. People coming to you know coming back to to to, to get his chest now, um, yeah. and get what's um what's in the. I, I I thought I quite liked how um this like this inn gets dragged into this work this very dangerous and like almost like I suppose it's the you know 18th century nautical version of gangland like gangster stuff isn't it? They're suddenly um, caught up in this stuff that's outside of the law. And yeah. um, and they're terrified of what's going to happen. Um, so this is this is where like Jim's mum, hitherto who has been
1: like so far in the background, is to be invisible. Comes <laughs> to the fore. A poorly sketched female character, Matt, in a Victorian <laughs> novel. You oh, we'll astonish get, we'll get, me.
0: We'll get to it. We'll get to it with that. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So they decide to make a, a t- to leave for the ha- get help from as you say the Hamlet down the road. So they, they make this sort of um, hurried journey down there. But um, no, no one wants to go up to the inn to help them out. Everyone's like, no, well, mm, I'd love to, but, oh, well, you see, Coronation Street's on in about 10 minutes. I can't leave it because I've been looking forward to it all day. Well, not <laughs> me. No, no I, I can't go because I've got to make the tea and, you know, I've already started it. And every, Everyone's got an excuse as why they can't go up to the inn and help them defend it. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: really, I I do love that and I, I love that it's sort of it's the very opposite of what should happen in a, you know the kind of Victorian novel that you think of where somebody is terribly brave you know, yeah. a gentleman will stand forth this feels far more true to me where they go down and they're like, yeah is that the place where there was that mysterious old bloke that was palpably hiding from something <laughs> you say he's recently died and you're scared of what might happen next <laughs> yeah do you know, good heavens, is that. Can I hear? Sorry, yeah, that's my wife. She's telling me I need to emigrate.
0: Um, <laughs> latest. You
1: know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so um, so basically, Jim's mum's like, "Well, screw you all. I'm going back on my own. Then thanks for nothing." And they like try and offer a couple of things like, "Oh well, you can have a pistol, and we'll have some horses ready for you if you need to make a run, and we'll send someone <laughs> over to get the doctor." And she's like, "Whatever, you know."
1: <laughs> I d- I love that in her character. First of all, that she's like, "Uh, no," <laughs> and that she 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 calls shame down on them all for yeah. uh, for dodging it. But also I really, really love um the 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 sort of their craven attempts to make up for the fact that they're all shit scared. <laughs> where they're like, Well we'll we'll send somebody in the other direction to the better men who will come and um and we'll we'll definitely we'll be here. When you get killed, we will make sure that you are buried neatly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what why? Why? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fu- that's funny actually. Like, there's loads of men who uh, well well up for like riding to get the doctor, which is yeah, as you say, the opposite direction. <laughs> and this woman's and like, whoa, well,
1: it looks heroic. Too late. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so they go back to the pub, just the two of them, um, and start searching the, bo- the body. Um, they find the they look at what what's in the guy's hand, and it's the black spot, and it's basically a piece of sort of parchment paper with um, a black spot on it and the other side says you got until 10 o'clock tonight it's very polite of the pirates
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it's do you think they were just trying to kill him with the shock and the stress of it because if it was that is some nasty psychological warfare
0: yeah well i think actually they they all show up at about eight don't they so i think they've put that in actually to make him think oh i've got plenty of time and then they'll just show up early yeah Um,
1: yeah that's that's true
0: but um, they search his pockets, um, and they, they, he's, he's got a few like, little trinkets in there, including a thimble. I always find it funny when I ever come across anybody possessing a thimble in a story, because I, just, <laughs> you know, I think they're the most useless
1: things in the world. But I'm probably <laughs> yeah, he doesn't wrong. seem like some... much, of a, much of a sewer, does he? He's not no. much of a, a, a knit freak.
0: Oh, although he does, um, oh, no, he patches up his own jacket, doesn't he? That's one of the things ah. that he, he's going for doing. Yeah. He's the patch man um but the, the, what they're looking for is his key for his trip for his chest and they finally find find it around his neck so they go upstairs and and open up his chest he's got a, he's got a, a a beautiful suit that he's never worn what a pity um,
1: yeah it's weird that isn't it yeah like and and Jim's mother literally looks at it and goes that has never been worn but he's been yeah. carrying it with him all this time yeah weird
0: and um yeah. He's got some tobacco in there, a couple of really beautiful pistols, some silver. He's, c- he's collected a load of little trinkets and mementos from all the places he's been as well. He's got loads of these nice-looking shells from islands in the West Indies, apparently. Yeah. Um, good good work from Jim to identify those straight away. Mm. Um, and then they find um, this collection of papers and a bag of gold. And like, aha, uh-huh, jackpot. Um, Kerching, yeah, and to to his mum's credit, she's like, right, I'm going to count this out. We're going to take all the money that all these basic all these back payments that he owes for his for his uh, for his room that he's rented, but we won't take a penny more. And they almost get caught by the rest of these like these pirates because his mum's trying to sort through basically like. Twenty different currencies and work out, you know, current exchange rate so how much it's actually worth, (laughs) so she can make sure she charges in the right amount of money. And I thought that was that was hilarious.
1: Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I, I I really really enjoyed that bit, and I particularly enjoyed like the fact that she's so set. Like, there's such a strong divide in this culture between being being honest and being dishonest. Yeah. That she sits there trying to work out the exchange rate between Louis Dor's Pieces of Eight and Guineas, <laughs> just going, hang on, so if it's big and round, then it's two to the pound, but if it's half and half, then you bark oh, like a, no, it doesn't work, no, hang on. And and just you just imagine her kneeling there, her nemesis getting closer, going, I'm an honest woman, I'm an honest yeah. woman, and I shall not steal from a dead man. There's something about that that was very seemed very telling to me about the sort of the this environment this story universe
0: yeah and she won't even like take all of the money and work it out later um she wants to divide it up now so you know whoever finds the chest um it's clear that she hasn't taken yeah yeah um but yeah you're right just sort of the willing to risk everything just to make sure everyone knows that you that you're honest um yeah in the end, they have to just sort of make the best guess because they hear the tap 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 of the cane again as the blind man comes back. Luckily, um, Jim's locked the door, so he tries to come. tries to open the door, can't get in. stands outside for a bit, which is really good because it's really sort of quite yeah. creepy that he's just standing there doing nothing. Yeah. And then he and then eventually he leaves. Um, and then like Jim's. Urging here again, you know, we've got to, we've got to, we've, we've got to get out. In the gotta end, go, they he- gotta go, gotta yeah, go. Yeah, they hear a whistle outside, and that's 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 the end of it. They're like, right, we've, let's just get out of here because they they know it's it's coming. Um, it's really well written, this because it gets tense and intense. You do really feel the tension. Yeah. um They make a run for it as they see in the distance these um these men sprinting up the up the road towards the inn, <laughs> and this is the point where. Um she lets herself down a bit here his mum she basically goes take the money and run i'm going to faint and at first <laughs> i wasn't sure if this was like we're not fast enough i'm just this is just a ploy i'm going to pretend to faint to slow them down but no yeah. it is she's literally going to faint she's literally <laughs> because anything written before like 19 probably 50 um women always faint at the, the, the sort of the first sign of like stress yeah. or danger <laughs> We've she's seen a, it in five. she's Final a Prejudice. woman in peril yeah, exciting, yeah. so and Prejudice. Yeah. We saw it in Agatha Christie, didn't we? The woman we oh, fainting in yeah. my fighting center there, and here,
1: yeah, we've got Jim's mum doing the same again. <laughs> I wonder if, I mean, that's, but there's no way of knowing, is there, really? But I wonder if this was really a thing, like mm. if there was, if there was, like if if it was normal for a woman in any situation other than that which she was, she's used to just being presented with anything difficult and fainting? Because if so, that's a terrifying statement about what social conditioning can do. You yeah. know what I mean? Because you can't imagine, if you wrote anything nowadays, in the, set in 2017, where you know a woman has to run away from somebody and just from the sheer nervous energy of it all, she's overcome and faints, yeah. you would quite rightly be laughed out of the room. Yeah. But was this, so is this, just a norm that writers would write to because it was convenient? Or did this actually happen i don't really know which one of those would horrify me more really mm. but yeah you're right fuck mm. and yeah yeah what a flipping what a what a flipping indictment you know she she can't add up she can't she can't she hasn't got the the strength to ask somebody for money she's slow she slows down the she literally slows down the action and then faints <laughs>
0: But she's got a cracking put down for the uh, for the people in the Hamlet. She but has anyway. now. I'll give her that, absolutely. Yeah, yes. you got to give her that. So she does faint. So Jim drags her under this bridge and they hide there um, as we move on to chapter five, the last of the blind man. Oh. So these seven or eight men arrive at the inn. They break in. This is great because you can hear, um, you know, the search because the blind man that like, uh, stands, who's called Pew, it turns out, stands outside and starts is shouting like orders and uh, demands as um, everybody else is searching through the through the um, th- through the inn. So they're shouting, you know, Bill's dead. He's like search him, and uh, they're trying to find this thing apparently called Flint's fist. Um, and yeah. when, when it turns out that, th- basically, when when Jim made a room for it, they took the gold and this stack of papers, and I think it's the papers they're after, and yeah. um, and the blind man realises that it must be the young lad who's taken him. He's like, oh, I wish I'd put his eyes out. It's like, ooh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's cold, isn't it? Yeah. I, and it sets the tone, doesn't it? I I do like that Robert Louis Stevenson doesn't pull any punches on how awful all pirates are. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like he sets them up as this kind of class of person apart and really does drive home how terrible they are to each other and to other people.
0: Yeah, and um, they hear the whistle again and that is a, a warning, that danger's on the way. So then the immediately the other pirates start, like, saying, oh, I think we best go. Pew starts ranting, the blind guy, like, come on, we've got to find it. Don't, don't be so useless. So some of the pirates are like, we've, we've got the
1: gold, let's just go. It's like,
0: that's not the point. We want to get this thing.
1: <laughs> I, I love that he's specifically set somebody up as a watchman on a hill to, to, with a very well and properly worked out sequence of warnings and, and danger signs, yeah. and then he just clearly ignores them. It's just like, you know, The moral of the story is: do not set as your watchman somebody whom you have resolved to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, yeah. He does shame him a bit as well by saying, you know, I was the only one who would go and speak to this guy, and I'm blind, you know, um, yeah. and I still did it. You got to give, for all of his many other things, this pew guy. He is very brave. Um, yeah,
1: no solid point.
0: Part part of his rant is like, oh, I'm not being, I'm not going to be an old, uh, an old beggar. Um, if we find this thing, I could be rolling in a coach, and I love that. I love. I, love <laughs> I, that. I thought that as well. <laughs> I just, saw, I just saw this very clear image of the the pew from Muppet Treasure Island in this massive, like gaudy coach, just with Low the music. Rider. <laughs> yeah, just with the music. <laughs> they see me rolling. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: they see me rolling. They hating, <laughs> and you you best believe he's
0: riding dirty, definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he say so. Yeah, he ignores the the warning. He's like no, keep searching, keep searching. And I like how the pirates do still search for a bit, but it's Jim says it's proper like half arsed This sort of one guy yeah. like kicks over some logs, but he's not really looking. He's more worried about what's coming at the road now. Yeah. Um, yeah. They hear hooves approaching and a pistol shot, which is the final warning, and everybody Mm. just makes a run for it and leaves Pew outside on his own. Yeah. Um, So he's sort of like he he continues to rant for a bit, and then realizes that it's dangerous and starts calling for help, saying, "Oh, you wouldn't leave
1: old Pew and all this." And then um, (laughs) I think you might have burned that bridge, Pewmyoldson, by bringing in both like accusing people of cowardice for a start, and then beating them about the head, shaming them by uh, by pointing out how they failed you after that, and they've just run away as well. I'd like to be like. (laughs) You <laughs> know what? He's right though. I mean it's old Pew, isn't it? He's a mate, obviously. I mean he's a knobhead, but he's a mate. I've got a you know <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant. He's basically just gone, yeah.
0: Because I've had all this money and because you're all so useless fucking cranes, you've not got in. I hate <laughs> every single one of you and you all should be dead and keep looking for this and you're all a bunch of cowards and wankers and I could have been rolling in this big coach and because of you useless
1: fucks, I'm not <laughs> Guys. You're gonna, you're gonna take me, right, guys? <laughs> I've I've just just remembered how extraordinarily dependent I am in this day and age upon your help. Uh, so I'd like to take it all back
0: immediately. <laughs> Still friends, right, guys? Guys? <laughs> um, yeah. So he he starts trying to run, around, trying to trying to escape himself, but he sort of confuses himself in his panic and his blindness. And he ends up running out in front of these horses as they're approaching, and basically gets run down. He gets killed, and um, at this moment, like it, these these people are arriving. It's basically sort of the militia, local militia, or the pol- you know the version of the police that they had at the time. Um, yeah and they sort of all stop, they all stop, kind of like I'd imagine what would happen if this happened with real police today, like you hit somebody, like a a criminal by accident, and it's like, oh, oh shit,
1: oh no, he's dead, Um,
0: (laughs) and uh, yeah, although by the end of the chapter they're all congratulating each other on a job well done anyway, so I think once they realise who he is, they're not so bothered.
1: I really love that because that's such a great image of like, again, how morality worked back then, isn't it? It's far yeah. less about what you'll get prosecuted for and far more about like what's seen as right and wrong in yeah. the sort of in the community. Because everybody lives where they grew up and nobody goes more than 10 miles and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So um, so I, I really do like it. First they write somebody down and they're like, yeah. And then they find out who he was, and they're like, "Oh, that's all right. He was another then, wasn't he?" <laughs> yeah. they're,
0: but- they're literally cracking at the beers, aren't they? they?
1: yeah. They're like, "Did he? <laughs> was that a pirate, lads?" <laughs> High fives. Here we go. hey Is that a pub? Is it still open? Is it? Should we get in there for a? Come on, Jim, lad. Let's drink. You're right. So yeah, they do
0: say, you know, they could be saying, "Is the pub still open?" I suppose the pub is still open, insofar as the door is hanging off its <laughs> hinges. <laughs> <door is> Smash <laughs> <off> its hinges. <laughs> yeah, because it's absolutely trashed the place. um but um, sort of Jim comes out of hiding then, and um, and tells them what's happened. They, they try and chase the pirates. Some of them chase them down to the bank, a place called Kitts Hole, which is the little inlet where the uh, where they've landed these pirates. But they get away in a in a boat. And um, immediately um, the uh, who's the guy? What's he called? Is he the, he's called the Squire. Yeah, um, yeah. He's um, he says, look, we'll, we'll get these papers over to. Um, over to the magistrate, the doctor straight away, um, you know, for your safety and stuff. And Jim's really pleased to be able to get a lift over there. Oh,
1: no, no, no. Sorry, I'm wrong. It's not the squire who says that. It's the whoever it is, the law enforcement militia dudes. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The squire is the sort of local landowner potentate who, right. who the doctor's hanging out with as it turns out.
0: Oh okay, right, got it. Yeah. Trelawney. So it's, like that's the Trelawney Squire. Trelawney, yeah yeah, right, yeah. Trelawney yeah. 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 Okay. So um so yeah, so the so the sort of whoever the like lawman is here says like let's let's get over to the let's get over to the doctors with this stuff. So Jim leaves. Um, I don't know what happens to his mum. I think his mum's just sort of, they bring her round yeah. smelling souls and then just
1: leave her to sort of tidy up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, to, 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 to mend the smashed up doors. <laughs> and to, They did not have a fantastic sense of aftercare, did they, in the 1700s? <laughs> like, are yeah. you all right, love? We're, we're going to patronise you rigid. It's going to be your fault everything goes wrong and then we're going to leave you. Because <laughs> patriarchy, laters. <laughs> it's a fairly kind of naked self-interest in the interests of the plot. Yeah. Uh, which we see later on as well, I think Because, yeah, I, well, we'll get to that
0: Yeah, so uh, chapter six, the captain's papers And they race over to the doctors Who, who you, as you say, is uh, sitting around with this um, this local landowner this Squire as well, Trelawney And um, the doctor sort of welcomes him in Serves him up some pigeon pie, which is great And uh, and they start searching through uh, these, uh, these papers And there's a Oh, they the, the first talk about you know who Flint is and Flint's crew, and he's got mm. this reputation as like one of the most fearsome pirates ever born. Like even he says like you know he's, he was worse than Blackbeard. Um, just to sort of that's quite that's him. quite yeah that's quite convenient shorthand
1: for Robert Louis Stevenson's there, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of yeah. at, and
0: he was worse than Blackbeard. Yeah, <laughs> I
1: really I, yeah absolutely. I I really like that as a, as like a character telling piece. He was like he was worse than awful mc Mac- worst pirate <laughs> with his cutlass hands you know like you might as well say that he was he was a, he was a wrong and how yeah. bad was he ooh wrong wrong <laughs> very wrong ooh, ooh.
0: <laughs> so um so so the the main point of this chapter is to go through the papers and um, that they, that they've got one of them's basically sort of a a diary um where it's just talking about very very like um sort of brief, scrawled uh, barely legible stuff I think there's one bit where it says some guy got it today, so I think someone got killed Um, and then the next bit is a bit of a, it's like a ledger um, where there's all these crosses and amounts of money and it's basically uh, the Doctor says this is just the um, the crosses represent like the names of people and ships and towns that have been plundered and how much they've taken from there Um, Yeah. And then the final bit of paper is this very carefully drawn map with um, clear instructions, well, instructions about... (laughs) Not too clear, (laughs) otherwise there wouldn't be a book. About where to find, basically where to find buried treasure, Dave. Let's let's call it what it is. And um, Trelawney just can't believe his look. He's loving it. He's like, right. Get a shape together. Doctor, you're coming with us as well. Um, and, and the doctor's like, the doctor's up for it as well, actually. And he's like, right, like, yeah, yeah, I'm up for an adventure. Jim's coming along as
1: well. And <laughs> Jim's in the corner for, like, what? For, for what reason? Like, this is the bit that, that eludes me. First of all, why have they had him stay Although this turns out to be completely in character with Squire Trelawney, who does not know the first thing about keeping a secret. I love that he's just like, who's around? Let's tell them about this unbelievable fortune. And um, I'm supposed to be pulling for this guy, apparently. Mm, Not on board the Trelawney train, I need to say, at this point. Because then he's like, Jim will stay here, obviously. His mother's just been, you know, had her livelihood beaten into shreds and uh, has no male relatives in this extremely misogynistic age. And so the young boy will stay in my house because I'm in charge. And also we need a plot. We need a narrator. you willing to be the narrator? Fantastic. Like, why? Why does he make him stay? Stupidest. Oh, dearie me. Yeah. yeah it really, like, I, right off the bat, I took a disliking to Squire Trelawney. And I stand by it.
0: We need to keep this... Grand adventure records of it for posterity. Who's the (laughs) finest journalistic writer we've got of his generation in here? (laughs) Well, there's Jim. Let's take Jim.
1: (laughs) 14 years old, apparently can read for some reason. Not sure how accurate that would be. Yeah.
0: So maybe it's some kind of equal opportunities thing. Needed a younger, a young, a young lad, a young teenager on board. But for whatever reason, Jim manages to to get on.
1: and we are shadow boxing there around the idea that, like, these, these two apparently middle-aged local potentates are like, and the young boy, of course, will come. Yes, the young <laughs> boy will accompany us. It's a little bit, it's off, Matt, it's off, is what this is. I'm not I'm not comfortable with this. Yeah, He's recently like lost it. his father.
0: No, it's horrible. <laughs> like, yeah, you've, you've mentioned um, the doctor, he even calls out Trelawney and says, Look, you've got a big mouth. Let's be honest. Let's, call, let's, <laughs> let's put our cards on the table. You're not the best at keeping a secret. But it's really important, really, really important, as in extremely important, so important I can barely describe it, that you do not tell anybody else about this. And this guy's like, yeah, sure, of course,
1: yeah. yeah. It'll be fine. <laughs> I, I love the fact that he, he does that. And it might as well be Father Dougal Maguire saying, <laughs> yeah, you say, oh, you're right there, Ted, yes. <laughs> Hey, you! Guess what I know? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just, just you can you can see that he means it about as much as a child who has recently sworn solemnly not to eat another biscuit before dinner time. Like, yeah. it's it's not happening. Squire Trelawney has all the impulse control of a <laughs> concussed puppy, and it's it's not happening. Not happening. Yeah. I'll put money on that right now.
0: <laughs> well, we shall see if your prediction turns out to be true um, in the in, in the next episode. That's the end of part one. Um, what a great Ooh. start! I'm I'm drawn it. Oh, I was drawing yeah. in from the first page, and I really enjoying this book. Uh, first yeah, time in the world I've just straight away just really enjoyed a book.
1: Yeah, yeah, very, very much. And I, 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 I particularly liked the way it doesn't have all of the trappings we've come to expect of its sort of literary successes in the adventure kind of the adventure mm. thriller genre, where every chapter ends with a dramatic punchline, and you know, and that's we've seen yeah. that in. Um, Goosebumps. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. We've run the literary gamut there from Goosebumps all the way to the Da Vinci Code. And and I I kind of love that it it was written by somebody who knew he wanted to tell an exciting story, but hadn't worked that out, that that wasn't received wisdom at the time. And it Mm. just makes it feel a little bit more grainy, a little bit more 3D. And I really liked it. Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a ride, isn't it? And it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm really glad that I'm now old enough to read it and enjoy it for itself without imagining Muppets in every major role.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, as we say, if you want to get involved in the in the podcast, it's SharkliveRoyalPodcast at gmail is the uh, email address at uh, SharkliveRoyal the uh, the Twitter account. Uh, we're going to be reading part two next week, so if you want to read along with us, go go along. Uh, make sure you've got that that done and read by uh, by next week. And until then, Dave, keep your doubloons close to your chest. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure un- unlike uh,
1: Trelawney, keep your doubloons close to your chest. <laughs> I, I, I will, although I, I feel there is some feeble double entendre that I'm missing here that I'll come up <laughs> with the moment we stop recording. Yar! Until then... Yar, <laughs> yar, yar, yar,
0: billy bones. <laughs>